Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on Believe, the number one content network for professionals. The place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm your host, Nara Wang, and my guest for episode 62 is very familiar with both the Trojans and their opponent this week, the Fresno State Bulldogs. Scott Bemis is a sports anchor and reporter for NBC24 and CBS47 in California's Central Valley, but he's also a proud alum of the University of Southern California, which I know firsthand as we were classmates and fellow Trojan Vision and KSCR staffers. Scott, it's awesome to get to talk to you about USC football like we did back in the day. Boy, I tell you, Nara, you're taking me back through memory lane there when I hear the term KSCR, right? Trojan Vision takes me back. But yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. And if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, TuneIn, and much more. Or go right to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. On social media, at Believe Network and at Believe Sports. You can find me on Twitter, at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Give me a follow there. And Scott, how can people reach out to you or catch up with you on social media or any media? Best way is to follow me on Twitter at S Bemis, B-E-M-I-S, online, all one word, S Bemis online on Twitter. And if you want to see what I'm doing uh, TV-wise, TV work or covering the Bulldogs, you can always go to yourcentralvalley.com, which is the email site for my two stations. The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Two games into the 2022 football season, and USC has opened some eyes with how good the offense has looked so far. Stanford was supposed to provide stiffer competition than Rice did, but the Trojans scored touchdowns on their first five possessions of the game and cruised to a 41-28 win at the farm. Caleb Williams was brilliant again with 20 completions on 27 attempts for 341 yards and four touchdowns, including two more to Jordan Addison, who totaled seven catches for 172 yards. Travis Dye led the way on the ground with 105 yards and a TD on 14 carries. The defense again looked shaky against the run and gave up 441 yards of total offense and 33 first downs to the Cardinal, but it also came up with multiple takeaways again by intercepting Tanner McKee on Stanford's first two possessions and causing two fumbles by E.J. Smith. 
The Trojans also added five sacks, two by Solomon Bird, and linebacker Eric Gentry led the team with 10 tackles. Scott Bemis, what do you like most about what you've seen from SC after two big wins? In one simple word, the offense. Well, maybe that's two if I put the word the in front of the offense, but it's just fun as a fan of USC to suddenly have an offense that you feel can score on almost any play. And that looks pretty unstoppable with Caleb Williams uh, commanding that offense at this point in time. I mean, when you have those kind of receivers, I mean, we saw the athleticism on display, not only from Jordan Addison on that deep ball, but how about Mario Williams catching that ball on the flat and then just absolutely making a defender miss. The level of athleticism on this USC offense right now is is something to behold. I don't want to overreact because it's still Rice and Stanford at this point, but Caleb Williams should firmly be in the Heisman discussion. And hey, you could probably throw Jordan Addison in that discussion too as a bit of a long shot. But really, the offense obviously is what stands out at this point. We all love the offense. It's looking great. Caleb Williams was good as a freshman. He looks even better as a sophomore. If he were to leave after his sophomore year, which he's not allowed to do, but he would be a top five NFL draft pick for sure based on how things look so far. But on the other side, what does the defense have to do to get better to make USC into an elite team? We talked a little bit about this as as we were discussing things over the phone in preparation for this podcast, but it might take a little bit of time for SC defensively to get to the level that I think all Trojan fans hope and that Trojan fans have kind of, I don't know, gotten used to during the Pete Carroll days, right? When when that team was really physical on that side of the ball. And really, they might have been more of a defensively led unit than an offensively led unit. I know that's kind of weird to say when you had Matt Leinert and Reggie Bush and all those guys, but it was really during the heyday of the Carroll era that defense really dominated. I mean, even in that championship game against Oklahoma, I mean, it was it was obviously the, the offense gets the headline, but the defense dominated. And I, I think it's going to take a little bit of time for SC to get back to that level on that side of the ball. Now, you hope that they will eventually, but it still feels like teams, when they're running straight at them or right at the line of scrimmage, that SC just doesn't have the type of athlete at this point in time you know, to completely dominate a team defensively. Now, the good news is on defense is that when you have an elite offense like SC does, you only need to get a few stops, it seems like, or steal a few possessions here or there to control a football game. And so with SC creating the kind of turnovers they've created in the first two games, you know, they've really turned both these games into very comfortable wins thus far this season. But I mean, I think it's just Still getting a little bit more physical on that side of the football, especially up front, you know, on on the defensive line. As the year goes on, I'm sure they'll get a little better and better with each week. But I think SC this year and the SC fan base is going to have to kind of live with the fact that that this defense isn't going to really be able to dominate teams and that you're just kind of hoping that they continue to create turnovers and then they can just win shootouts against people. One of the hallmarks of Pete Carroll's defenses over that great run for SC were the ability to get takeaways and flip the ball around for that great offense that we had back then. So obviously this team has done that so far. I don't know that we can count on having at least four turnovers every game and that defensive line really has to shore up against the run. So we'll see about that. The other thing that's been kind of an issue and it hasn't mattered really in these two games, but penalties. That was a big problem during the Clay Helton era, but we had nine penalties for 104 yards against Stanford, six for 60 against Rice. So probably have to clean that up just a bit as well. 
when we get into games where the offense isn't just scorching teams from Jump Street. And I know it's early, but coming into the season, there was a lot of talk. Oh, SC is going to be back. Lincoln Riley's going to have this team back. And they were saying back right away. I wasn't so sure about that. I was hoping, hey, let's get nine or 10 wins, contend for the Pac-12. I wasn't even so sure we'd actually win the Pac-12. But now the way they look after two games, Scott, is USC a legitimate Pac-12 title and college football playoff contender? I think so. Just for no other reason than if you can win the Pac-12 and you can go undefeated, which is asking a lot, obviously, but I think you're going to have a, a great argument to get into the college football playoff if you are able to accomplish that goal. I still think we need to find out a lot more about this team when it comes to maybe getting into a college football playoff, but I think they're definitely in the conversation. I mean, look at it. I mean, they're ranked seventh in the country right now, and, and so much of it is just, hey, where you rank at this point in the season. So they're set up to be in that mix as far as maybe, you know, being the fourth team that might get into a college football playoff. Now, having said all that, obviously, I'm looking at their schedule right now. I just saw Oregon State up close and personal last week in Fresno. wasn't able to go to the game, but I, I watched the game on television, listened to uh, the radio broadcast. I was out actually in the Bay Area doing a junior college football game while that game was going on. I'm sad I missed it. But Oregon State, having watched their first two games, they are a physical team. They are a team that likes to run downhill on you at times. And we saw it last year against SC, how they just came into the Coliseum and just just dominated SC. There's no, no other way to put it. When you, when you hear those words, it's kind of weird. When you say Oregon State comes into the Coliseum and just physically dominates USC. But they are a team that we're going to find out a lot more about SC when it comes to the physical side of football. Now, this week, against Fresno State, we're going to we're gonna find out a lot about what that defense can do against an offense that has a lot of weapons as well. Fresno State's probably not going to physically dominate you, you know, like an Oregon State or maybe even a Utah will try to do later in the year. But the Bulldogs have an elite quarterback who's going to get a look in the NFL and Jay Kaner. You know, he torched UCLA a season ago in a, in a dramatic win. This Fresno State offense has depth at receiver, They've got an, uh, you know, all conference caliber running back as well. Maybe the only area where they might be maybe not elite or at least above average at this point is the offensive line with the Bulldogs. But we're going to find out this week. I think if SC sends a statement and wins this game over Fresno State by two or three touchdowns, then I think, yes, now you're talking about a team that is legitimately in the hunt for a Pac-12 conference title. And if you can win the conference, you would have a chance to get into the college football playoff. I still don't think we're at the point where we should be looked at as a team that could win the college football playoff. But if you win the Pac-12 conference this year, if you're able to go on the road and beat teams like Oregon State and, and, and maybe win at Utah later in the year, then yes, you could maybe find a way to sneak into that playoff. And we're going to talk more about this matchup against Fresno State coming right up. This is the Everything USC podcast on Believe. I'm Nara Wang, joined today by an old friend, a fellow Trojan, Scott Bemis, anchor and reporter on sports in California's Central Valley, covering Fresno State for NBC24 and CBS47, and also the play-by-play broadcaster for Fresno City College Football. This is, of course, a podcast you can find wherever you get your favorite podcasts, or go to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com on social media, at Believe Network and at Believe Sports. To catch up with me, I'm on Twitter. Find and follow me at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. 
Vimo, how do the people reach out to you? Best way to reach out to me is through my Twitter account as well, at SBemis online, all one word. That's the letter S, Bemis, B-E-M-I-S, online, O-N-L-I-N-E, on Twitter. Yeah, just hit me up on Twitter. That's where I pretty much put all my content. This is Adrian Branch, ESPN College Basketball Analyst, and you're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang on the Believe Network. Now let's talk about that game between USC and Fresno State. Late night Pac-12 after dark game on Fox. The end of a quadruple header on the Fox network this Saturday. 7.30 p.m. start. Also, you can hear it on the Trojan Radio Network flagship station, KABC 790 AM in Los Angeles. Fresno State comes in with a 1-1 record, defeating Cal Poly 35-7 in their opener. and as Scott mentioned, losing a close one against Oregon State last weekend came down to the final play of the game. Jonathan Smith, the Oregon State coach, went for the touchdown, got it, and got the Beavers' first ever win in Fresno. Last year, the Bulldogs went 10-3, and finished second in the West Division of the Mountain West, and won the New Mexico Bowl over UTEP. Their head coach is someone who's very familiar to USC fans, Jeff Tedford, the former Cal coach, and technically the former Fresno State coach. He resigned after three seasons in 2019 due to health reasons, but he's back now this year taking over again. He's had a great record over his 15 seasons as a coach, 109 wins to just 72 losses. At Fresno State, he's 27-15, and 15, and USC leads the all-time series officially 3-1 to one, if you don't count the vacated 2005 Reggie Bush game, but we all saw that happen. We all know that USC won that game thanks basically just to Reggie Bush. And the last game was in 2019, which doesn't feel that long ago. 31-23 USC win, but the starting quarterback that day for the Trojans was JT Daniels. That's the game in which he tore up his knee and never played for USC again. The Bulldogs almost came back in that fourth quarter and USC needed an Isaiah Polamau interception in the end zone off of Jorge Reyna to seal that win. And when you look at this year's Fresno State team, you've already brought him up, the key guy, sixth-year senior quarterback, Jake Hayner, a guy who transferred from Washington in 2019. That's why he didn't play against SC in 2019. He was sitting out that year as a transfer. But so far this season, completing nearly 75% of his passes, 737 yards, and three touchdowns, no interceptions. His career completion percentage at Fresno State, 67.2%, is the best in school history, with a minimum of 300 attempts. He's top 10 on the school list in passing yards, completions, and passing touchdowns. He'll probably be in the top three in all those categories by the end of the season. Like you mentioned, he beat UCLA at the Rose Bowl last year which we all took much glee in as USC fans last year but now we got to be worried about him doing it to us Scott what makes Jake Hayner so good and so dangerous to USC well I think first off with this game in particular is that he is fired up I don't know if you had a chance to catch the weekly press conference they actually bring Jake Hayner each week to the press conference after head coach Jeff Tedford speaks but He's playing with a huge chip on his shoulder. I mean, Jake's already a guy that has a big chip on his shoulder. He's a little undersized. You know, it's always kind of the 
us against the world mentality with him that nobody ever believed in him. Nobody ever gave him a chance, even though he ended up at the University of Washington. But he says he grew up a USC fan. He says he, you know, remembers watching those games with Bush and Liner, you know, when he was a, a little kid. And, and that was kind of his dream school is the way we took it from the press conference and that they didn't give him a look. They didn't give him a sniff. And like, I mean, you would have thought this was a press conference before the Super Bowl with the passion that Jake was talking. And so Jake is super fired up. And I'm assuming that that is extending then to the rest of the team, because when your quarterback, your your leader is setting that kind of tone, you know, that's going to extend down. Now, Fresno State in general is never going to have a problem for getting up for this game. I mean, the fan base, this is what they look at when they look at that schedule to begin the year. And they see that USC or UCLA is on the schedule, especially USC. They're pumped up. And obviously a little um, little steam was taken out of the engine last week with a rough loss at home. But the fan base is still going to be fired up for this one. And when it comes to Jake's play on the field, I think what, what makes him a really good quarterback is just he's just smart. He's just smart. He is not afraid to extend a play. He's not going to beat you with his feet, but he can buy time in the pocket. And he can extend that play for a few extra seconds. And that allows a crop of receivers that is probably the best in the Mountain West to have extra chances to get open. And he's added a, another explosive receiver to the mix this year from Cal, a graduate transfer in Nico Remigio. And he's been kind of his favorite target here in the first couple of weeks. And Jake has a really strong arm now. He's gotten stronger, so he can throw the deep ball. He's just gutsy. You know, he's just one of those those quarterbacks that, when he's on the field, you feel like your team has a chance to win. He's not afraid to make difficult throws. And I think this year, through two games, you can really see a little bit of maturity in him. There is, There have been times where I think he's been playing with a little too much emotion, a little too much chip-on-your-shoulder type of mentality. So sometimes I think the coaching staff actually has to get him to kind of calm down a little bit. And I think we're seeing that this year because through two games, he hasn't turned the ball over. I mean, he's always going to make big plays. I mean, he's going to throw for... 300 plus, you can pretty much almost lock it in that that's going to happen this year for Jake Hayner. It's just a question of staying away from the mistake where he tries to force things a little bit too much. And we have not seen that in the first two games. And he has played more than well enough for them to be 2-0 and at this point. I mean, obviously, it was kind of a, a little gimme against Cal Poly to start the year. But Fresno State should have won the Oregon State football game. They had opportunities to win that game and give Jonathan Smith credit for being aggressive at the end of the game. But Jay Kaner is a guy also that this is a huge game for him, not only for the program, for, you know, the fan base up here, for what it can mean for the school, but just for him as far as like his NFL future as well. He knows there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on this game. He's going to be going up against, you know, major power five competition on Fox, on network television. And in those moments so far, it seems like Jake has stepped up. You know, the UCLA game last year is a great example. And so I'm expecting a good game out of Jake Hayner on Saturday. And he's going to be fired up. And by extension, the rest of the team is going to be fired up. Yeah, Jake Hayner is a guy who, let's be honest, the reason he's back for his sixth year at Fresno State is because he does have questions to answer about his viability at the next level. He's a little bit on the smaller side, listed at 6'1", about 195 pounds. That's not what NFL teams are necessarily looking for. He's shown the moxie, but does he have all of the other tools to succeed at the next level? And like you said, this is a big game for him to try and show that off. Now, let's be realistic. At the next level, he's probably more in that Gardner Minshew type category where he's probably a really good backup. And if you need him to play, 
he's not going to embarrass you. But is he a full-time elite NFL starting quarterback? Probably not. But he's good enough in college to beat a team like USC if you don't take him seriously. And he's got plenty of weapons, like you said, around him. You mentioned Remigio already, the guy who transferred in from Cal. He's at exactly 100 yards in both of Fresno State's games so far. And also a very dangerous punt and kickoff returner. Already has 155 return yards on the season. And He'll be motivated. He's a modern-day high school grad from Orange County, so he'll be pumped up to be playing in the Coliseum. And they're running back, a six-year senior as well. Jordan Mims has 197 yards so far, four touchdowns on the ground, and also a threat out of the backfield, catching the ball with seven catches, 52 yards, and a touchdown. It's his first season as really the undisputed starting running back for the Bulldogs, but he was the New Mexico Bowl offensive most outstanding player had 236 total yards and three touchdowns in that one. They've also got a preseason All Mountain West offensive lineman in the right tackle, six year senior Dante Bull, who is a giant of a man, 6'7, 320 pounds out of Victoria, British Columbia, up in Canada. On the other side of the ball, the defensive team captain for the season, senior free safety Evan Williams. He's already got 17 tackles, two and a half for loss, and three pass breakups, leading the team in all those categories this season. Was a first-team All-Mountain West selection last season. Senior linebacker Lavelle Bailey, 15 tackles and a forced fumble this season. Honorable mention All-Mountain West the last two years. And a familiar name to Trojan fans, senior linebacker Raymond Scott. Has eight tackles, one and a half for loss, and a sack this season. He transferred from USC just in January in his first season with the Bulldog program. So there's plenty of talent on Fresno State. They're going to give USC some trouble. So Scott, the seventh ranked team in the country now by the AP, eighth by the coaches, USC, trying to go to 3-0. and What do they need to do to get the win? On my perspective, they need to start fast again, like they've done the first two games, try and overwhelm the Bulldogs quickly. And on the other side of the ball, they have to put pressure on Jake Hayner. What do you think? Yeah, if you can put pressure on Jake Hayner, that is like any quarterback, really, but especially with him because he is a little bit undersized, like we mentioned, and he has a propensity if things are maybe breaking down a little bit every now and then to try to force something here or there. And we've seen this USC defense, you know, be very opportunistic so far this year with turnovers. And so I was telling you the other day that I feel this almost kind of like a tennis match, USC and Fresno State here, because obviously both offenses coming in are kind of the story. Doesn't mean that they don't have playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. You mentioned Evan Williams. He is somebody certainly to watch in this game. He probably has an NFL future, the free safety for the Bulldogs. But it's going to be an offensive football game, in my opinion. And so it's going to be, you know, a case of, hey, one team scores. What does the other team do? And can the other team match? with a touchdown. So scoring touchdowns in the red zone or not turning the ball over is going to be extra critical in this game because if you fall behind, I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult, especially for Fresno State, to rely on that defense to consistently get stops to get them back in the game. But the other way might work as well. That USC is going to have a tough time, you know, stopping this Fresno State offense at times. So to me, getting pressure on quarterback Jay Kaner or finding a way to be opportunistic and make a few big plays here and there defensively is going to be critical because Fresno State has shown in the first two weeks that they have struggled a little bit in the red zone. They've been moving the ball pretty consistently between the 20s, but once they get inside the 20 or the 30, 
you know, they've had a tough time every single time punching it into the end zone, and they've had to settle for too many field goals. It was one of the reasons that they dropped that game to Oregon State. And so if the SC defense, going back to that Pete Carroll, those Pete Carroll days again, right, where maybe give up some yard between the 20s but really stiffen up near the goal line and make Fresno State kick field goals, I don't know if the Bulldog defense is good enough to be able to overcome not scoring every time in the red zone touchdowns and, you know, getting enough stops or enough turnovers themselves. Now, when it comes to SC offensively, they got to play a cleaner game. They got to play a cleaner game, both with penalties and with turnovers. They've been very clean turnover wise here in the first couple of weeks. And if they continue that, if they don't make those big critical game changing plays, like I said, I think their offense is good enough to score on this Bulldog team. And I think the SC defense can get enough stops both in the red zone and maybe generate a turnover here or there that they can just kind of stay in front, you know, for most of the game. And that puts a little extra pressure on that Fresno State offense to try to come back. And then that's maybe when another mistake happens. Like you mentioned, if the Bulldogs happen to get in front, well, maybe that relaxes them a little bit. Maybe that relaxes the defense a little bit. Maybe that allows their their defensive staff to maybe be a little more aggressive, take a few more chances. And then maybe that's when a turnover happens the other way. So yes, I think getting out in front, that's a great point, Nara, is important for SC. And I think it's just as important for Fresno State if they want to hang in this game because it's going to be going back and forth. Who's going to hold serve and score? Who's going to hold serve and score a touchdown? And once you mix in a field goal or a turnover or maybe a penalty forces a, a three and out or something like that, then you know, you're kind of behind the eight ball at that point. So now it's time to go on the record. We're going to make our predictions on this game. So far this season, I'm doing all right. I am 3-0-1 against my first two guests. Last week against Pete Arbogast to recap the players we believed in. I took Austin Jones. I gave him a double up. He went with Corey Foreman and Solomon Tuliapupu on the defensive line. Jones, 8 carries, 38 yards, 3 catches, 31 yards. Foreman and Tuliapupu combined for 5 tackles. So really a wash there. No one really was great at that. So I'm going to say that's a no winner, a tie on that one. And the game score, I went with 38-20. Pete went with 48-20. So because the 41-28 USC win, closer to what I picked, I take the win there. And then in the prop bet, Nara's no doubter was that there would be a blocked kick in the game. That did not happen. And Pete's pick was that our punter, Aiden Sleep Dalton, would not have a punt shorter than 45 yards. He only had to punt twice, but his long was 36 yards. So he didn't get that. So I took the win last week by a 1-0-1 record there. So on the season, I'm 3-0-1. So the players we believe in, who's the best Trojan going to be in this game against Fresno State? My pick, it's not Caleb Williams. It's Mario Williams, the wide receiver. I think there's going to be a lot of focus on Jordan Addison. And so I think Mario Williams is going to have a big game. He's the player I believe in. Scott Bemis, who are you believing in for USC? Well, I'm going to go in a little different direction here for SC. And I'm going to actually take the running back, Travis Dye, in this game. Because I think all the receivers for SC are going to have good games. And I think Caleb Williams is going to have another outstanding effort. But one thing that you can do, I think, against this Fresno State defense is run the football at this point. Oregon State, 178 yards on the ground last week, averaged nearly five yards per carry. So I'm going to go with Travis Dye in this game because not only do I think that he's going to be able to gain some yardage on the ground and maybe get in the end zone a couple times, but I think he also could be something that is hard to account for for Fresno State out of the backfield as a receiver. So I think, you know, the, the passing game is going to be there, but I think you know, ultimately, especially if they're playing from in front 
in this game that especially in the second half too, you might see a little bit more of a Travis Dye workload. And so I'm going to go with Travis Dye in this one. All right. So the players we believe in, I'm going with Mario Williams, the receiver, and Scott is going to go with the running back, Travis Dye. Now on to the winner and game score. BMO, go ahead. I'll let you make the first pick here. Who's winning and what's the score going to be? And again, I should mention our partners here at Believe Bet Online has USC as a 12 and a half point favorite as we record this show on a Thursday morning. So Scott, go ahead. Well, considering they're a 12 and a half point favorite, I, I should make this winning score 12 and a half points, right? No, we can't, we can't do that, right? We can't do that. So obviously I knew the spread was around 12 or so. And I know the total for this game, I think it's at 74 or something like that. It's, it's up into the 70s. So. We aren't the only two who think there's going to be a lot of scoring in this football game. Making a final score, here's what I went with. I went with 38-27 USC. I actually think it'll go a little bit under what the odds makers think as far as total points scored in this game, just because Fresno State, I think, will have to settle for a few field goals here and there. And I think with a lead, just like happened last week, SC might lose a little bit of that edge, I guess, in the second half, um, you know, offensively. and you know, continuing to test Fresno State vertically, you know, time in and time out in it. And they might slow down just a little bit offensively. I'm expecting a lot of offensive output in the first half of this game. But I think Fresno State's going to have to settle for a few field goals from time to time when SC is scoring touchdowns, just like I mentioned before. And so I think that SC will kind of poke their head in front and they'll just be able to stay there. And that Fresno State at times will show that they're that they are very much in the football game and that if something goes their way, they could poke their way back in front, but I don't think they're ever going to actually get there just because I think that SE offense is too good and they will continue to put points on the board and kind of maintain that lead throughout. And I think eventually the Trojans win 38-27. All right. So you've got it a little bit higher scoring than what I've got. I think USC is going to cover that 12 and a half point spread, but I have it a little bit lower scoring. So I have it way under the total, which is yes, hovering around 74 points right now. I'm going USC 34, Fresno State 17. I think there will be a lot of points scored early, and then I think it tapers off a little bit, partly because of the late night version of this game that's being played here at the Coliseum. I think it's just going to be an awkward start. They're going to be fired up. They've been waiting all day. There's going to be a quick start to the game, and then it kind of peters out scoring-wise and the second half. So I have 34-17 USC for that. And now it's time for our prop bet. Mine is called Nara's No Doubter. This is where we just pick a random thing that we think is going to guarantee happen in the football game. So for me, this might be controversial based on how the defense has done it so far, but I think USC will have fewer than three takeaways in this game. So a maximum of two takeaways by the USC defense in this one, and that's why it's going to be maybe a little bit of a tougher game to get a ton of points for USC. That's my thinking, at least. That's Nara's no doubter. Scott, what are you calling your prop bet, and what's it going to be? All right, I'm going to kind of devil up on my prop bet, and I'm going to, again, go with Travis Dye on this one. And I think he has a big game. I think he has a big game. So I'm going to, I'm going to make the bold proclamation that Travis Dye finishes with over 100 yards rushing in this football game. That might surprise a little people when they've been hearing a lot about Caleb Williams and company and uh, chucking it around in the air. But I think the ground game is going to be important in this football game. And I think Travis Dye has a ton of success. So I'm going to say Travis Dye goes over 100 yards on the ground. 
All right, we need a cool name for it, though. Is it Bemo's Best Bet? I mean, I need a fancy name from you. Sure, I like that. Uh, Bemis's Best Bet. How about that? That's good right there. Bemis's Best Bet. Travis Dye going for 100-plus yards on the ground. All right, doubling down. I like it. Now, just to be a warning for you, my first guest of the year for the Week 1 preview and season preview, Matt Zemek, editor of Trojans Wire, he also doubled down on Travis Dye. And it didn't go so well for him. So you're going to try and buck that trend. <laughs> yeah, I I hope this doesn't come back to haunt me, right? You know, it's it's almost like deviling down in blackjack, right? Uh, I'm taking risk here with regards to that, but there could be big reward at the end of that rainbow for me. So to recap our predictions for this week's USC versus Fresno State football game, the players we believe in, I'm going with wide receiver, the Oklahoma transfer, Mario Williams, Scott Bemis going... Running back, the Oregon transfer, Travis Dye. For the game score, I have it USC 34-17. Scott, 38-27 for the Trojans. And in our prop bets, Nara's no doubter. USC will have fewer than three takeaways in this game. Bemis's best bet, doubling down on Travis Dye's big game. He says that the running back will have over 100 yards rushing. So those are our predictions for this week. And we'll see how well we do. I'm keeping the tally all season long. I've been successful in the last few years. I've beaten my guests. So I'm trying to keep that string going. And we'll see how that goes. Well, Art Nara, I have to say, I mean, is it really going out on that much of a limb to say that USC will have less than three takeaways against a Fresno State team that hasn't turned the ball over yet this year? Well, they're due for then turning the ball over. And USC is averaging four and a half takeaways. So I'm going under. Five, well, I would say half. I would be interested to know what the Vegas guys would make that over under. What do you think? I, I think the true over under there would be about one and a half takeaways is my guess. What do you think? Really? I think it'd be probably two and a half. I think you I'm think? going right there. All right. The number. All right. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'd be I'd be really interested to know what, what they would what they would make that number. But yeah, I mean, SC obviously has been very opportunistic so far this year. And this is the Everything USC podcast on Believe. I'm Nara Wang. My guest today, a former Trojan Vision and KSER staffer alongside of me back in our days roaming the campus down in downtown LA at USC, but now he covers Fresno State sports as a sports anchor and reporter for NBC24 and CBS47, and also is the play-by-play broadcaster for football for Fresno City College. That is Scott Bemis. And if you enjoy listening to this show, subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, TuneIn, and more. Or go right to our website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network and at Believe Sports. For me, you can catch up with all of my musings about sports on Twitter, at NaraWangSports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Scott, where can they catch up with you on media? Best way to follow me is on Twitter at SBemisOnline. That's SBemisOnline, all one word. The letter S, Bemis, B-E-M-I-S, online, spelled out the traditional way. Or you can always go to the YourCentralValley.com Facebook page if you're interested in catching up maybe this week with what the Bulldogs are saying about their matchup with the Trojans on that website or through our station Facebook pages. This is Bernice O'Connor, former USC Women's Water Polo All-American and 2000 Olympic Silver Medalist. And you're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang and the Believe Network.
And for the final segment, like I'm doing with every new guest during the football season, we're going to discuss the impending move of USC and UCLA to the Big Ten Conference beginning in the fall of 2024. The bombshell news dropping on the final day of June this summer that those two schools had decided to make that move and leave the Pac-12 Conference. So when you heard about that, Scott, how surprising was it to you? And do you think it's the right decision for USC? I mean, I, I have to say I was surprised. I mean, I, I was actually on vacation at the time up here in the Central Valley at a place called Bass Lake with my family. And my, my little brother said, hey, man, did you see the news about SC? We're going to the Big Ten. And it just I guess I just I should have been thinking along those lines with kind of the the constantly transformative college football landscape that we see. But for whatever reason, I, I guess I just wasn't really thinking about the Big Ten as being a possibility. When I started to think about it, I got excited. I got excited about USC being in the Big Ten. I mean, I'm a West Coast guy, grew up in Southern California. Both my parents, you know, went to USC. That's actually where they met. And so I've, you know, been a USC fan my entire life, even before I went to school there. But having said all that, I don't think the Pac 12 or the Pac 10, as I grew up with, really carries the same weight that the Big Ten does. And I would have even said that maybe 30 years ago, right? I mean, I think USC kind of carried the torch. I don't want to diminish some great teams that have come out of the Pac-10, now the Pac-12. But year in and year out, the Big Ten, I think, produces better game environments, you know, just kind of a, a better scene for college football. I mean, there are some places in the Pac-10 that are obviously awesome places to watch a football game. When Oregon has it going, Austin Stadium is fantastic. When Washington can get it going, Seattle can get rocking. I remember being up there for a student broadcast when I was at USC and the and the stadium was literally shaking. It was like swaying back and forth. But school for school, I don't think the Pac-12 has what the Big Ten has at this point. I mean, obviously, USC, when they get it rolling, is an awesome place to watch a football game and the fan base can get behind it. But when they don't have it rolling, I don't know. I mean, there's it's a half full Coliseum at times during during the Clay Helton days, and it's not that great of an environment. So to hear that SC is going to get to play in places like Columbus, Ohio, and Ann Arbor, Michigan, and play at the University of Iowa, just all these Big Ten environments that I think are just awesome and kind of consistently bring it week in and week out, I think is going to raise the profile of USC football even more, you know, even more than it, than it already is. And I don't think it might be that smooth as far as the stuff on the field. I mean, I think Lincoln Riley has it going right now. And so there's more optimism now than there was maybe, you know, a year ago about moving into the Big Ten and having immediate success in the Big Ten against some of those heavyweights in that conference. But in the greater landscape of college football, we've reached the point where you don't want to be the last person playing musical chairs. You don't want to be the one without the chair at the end of the day. And so for USC to be proactive, sure, it hurts tradition. I'd be the first to admit it. Is it great for the future overall of college football? Probably not. Probably not. It's fracturing the Pac-12 conference and it's, you know, kind of diminishing a part of the country, West Coast football, that it was already starting to get a little diminished. Now you lose, you know, USC and you lose a UCLA and it even fractures it even more. So it's not, no, it's probably not great for the overall landscape of college football, but I got to separate that from just, is it great for USC? And I think it is great for USC, at least when it comes to football and basketball, I would say. I mean, think about all the great basketball games, conference games that SC is going to be involved in now. Now, again, is SC going to 
kind of have the same success in the Big Ten that they've had in the Pac-10, now Pac-12 over the course of their history? We'll see. Maybe not. It might be a little more difficult to win in the Big Ten. But SC had to be proactive. And if you don't make the move now, somebody else is. And then you're just going to be kind of left wondering, hey, why didn't we do that when we had the chance? The money financially, this is obviously the right decision. They're going to make a lot more money off of the Big Ten media contract and everything that comes with those rights. And I get it from that standpoint. I even get it from a football perspective. I think it's a lot of the other sports that are going to get hurt with all of the travel that's going to be going on. I mean, you're going to have week-long road trips, basically, to go play Penn State and Rutgers and Maryland out east. And so for everyone who says that these are student athletes well the student part is going to be over zoom like what we're recording this podcast on right now for the most part while they're going and playing sports for usc in the big 10 conference so i think that's going to be interesting for football i don't think it's a big deal you play once a week that's fine but if you're a volleyball player a soccer player and you've got to play multiple games in a week that can be more difficult and it is going to fracture the pac-12 depending on how they can keep it together if They get another media deal from ESPN to keep it as a Pac-10 or maybe even add a couple of teams. A San Diego State, you hear of Fresno State being thrown out there. What are the chances that Fresno State could end up in a new Pac-12? Well, what I mentioned earlier about Jake Hayner being all fired up for this game, you know, because he's kind of playing the big boy here, a team that he feels overlooked him. Well, I think this fan base here in the Central Valley kind of feels that way about this game as well and also about last week's game against Oregon State and that's why I think this fan base was just extra disappointed that the Bulldogs let that one get away because there has been so much talk here since USC and UCLA made that move about what are the chances that Fresno State ends up getting into the Pac-12. From everything I read and the people that I talked to I feel like it's still a bit of a long shot with the way that the current Pac-10 or Pac-12 as they call it, but with the 10 schools that are going to be remaining, is structured. It feels like San Diego State is the one team that feels like a no-brainer to the Pac-10 as far as expanding and kind of you know staying relevant. They've got that new stadium down there. They're San Diego. They're a Southern California media market. San Diego's a pretty big market. You can sell that to the TV rights holder that, hey, we're bringing San Diego in. What Fresno State has been trying to do and trying to get the message out there is that If you bring Fresno State into the fold, if you're the Pac-10, you're getting not only the Central Valley television market from Bakersfield up to Merced, but you can also maybe add in Sacramento that we consider that to be all one big market. Now, Nielsen and DMA markets don't consider that to be one market. Sacramento is a different market than the Fresno area market, but the, the Bulldog brass is trying to kind of sell it as one big market. It's one big region of the country. I think you could argue it's a big one big region. The Central Valley probably would include Sacramento, but it's harder to make the argument that that's the same media market because I don't know how many Sacramento natives who are living in Sacramento are really living and dying with the Bulldogs on a given week. Sure, it goes up to areas like Merced and maybe up even close to Turlock and Stockton up there in California, but that might be a little bit of a reach. And so I still think it's a little bit of a long shot for Fresno State and San Diego State, because they'd probably take two teams right at the start to get in there. Having said that, if the Pac-10 decides, you know what, let's just keep adding. Let's keep adding that we think we're better as a 14 or a 16 team league than as a, you know, as a 12 team league, that we might as well scoop up a few of these other teams. And maybe we feel like we are getting more value 
out of Fresno State, you know, and adding that market. Then in the second round of like expansion, I think they might be included in that. So I still think it's a little bit of a long shot that they get there just because I don't think they have a big enough media market to compete with a San Diego State or with an SMU, for example, which has been one of the other teams, you know, in the Dallas market there that has been mentioned as a possible expansion candidate. Now, if it all falls apart and, you know, Oregon and Washington leave and then everybody else starts trickling out to different conferences from the Pac-10, I think actually maybe the most likely scenario of all this is that eventually they don't end up in the Pac-10, but they end up in a Mountain West that then adds Oregon State and Washington State. Like, to me, that almost feels like five, 10 years down the road, much likelier scenario than actually Fresno State joining the Pac-10 at this point, because the Pac-10 has to see it and say, do I get value by adding Fresno State? What they have going for them is that it's a California team, right? And they have a geography, it fits, all that. And there's a good tradition at Fresno State, especially when it comes to football. But Fresno State also has to show a commitment to its football program right now. They have an aging football stadium. They have some aging facilities. They need to come in and put their best foot forward and show the Pac-10 that they're worthy of admission, of being an expansion candidate. But I don't know if that process can happen quick enough for the Pac-10 to jump in and grab Fresno State. So that's a long way of saying (laughs) that I think they're being mentioned as a possibility. But if it's just two teams that are going to be added to the Pac-10, I think they might be left out. If it's more than that, then I think they would be in the second tier, maybe with a Boise State, for example, of coming into the conference. All right. I think that's a good way to look at it. And it might not be what the folks in Fresno want to hear, but I think that's a very realistic view. Scott, it has been great to catch up with you, talk USC football again, like we were back on the old SC Sports page on Trojan Vision, man. Yeah, this this has been a lot of fun, Nara. This has taken me back to some good times there, you know, doing TV, doing radio on campus with you at SC. It's it's great to catch up with you first and foremost, to hear you're doing well and to see your face. So really appreciate you having me on and, uh, you know, anytime, anytime, buddy. So for my guest, Scott Bemis, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 62 of the Everything USC podcast presented by Bet Online on Believe the number one content network for professionals, the place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? And as always, I end every show by telling you to remember to fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.